Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Our reading is Psalm 44. We have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us what you did in their days. In days long ago, with your hand you drove out the nations and planted our fathers. You crushed the peoples and made our fathers flourish. It was not by their sword that they won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your face, for you loved them. You are my king and my God, who decrees victories for Jacob. Through you we push back our enemies. Through your name we trample our foes. I do not trust in my bow. My sword does not bring me victory, but you give us victory over our enemies. You put our adversaries to shame. In God we make our boast all day long, and we will praise your name forever. But now you have rejected and humbled us. You no longer go out with our armies. You've made us retreat before the enemy, and our adversaries have plundered us. You gave us up to be devoured like sheep, and have scattered us among the nations. You sold your people for a pittance, gaining nothing from their sale. You've made us a reproach to our neighbours, the scorn and derision of those around us. You've made us a byword among the nations. The people shake their heads at us. My disgrace is before me all day long, and my face is covered with shame at the taunts of those who reproach and revile me because of the enemy who is bent on revenge. All this happened to us Though we had not forgotten you, or been false to your covenant, our hearts had not turned back, our feet had not strayed from your path. But you crushed us, and made us a haunt for jackals, and covered us over with deep darkness. If we had forgotten the name of our God, or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God have discovered it, since he knows the secrets of the heart, yet... For your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Awake, O Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? We are brought down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up and help us. Redeem us because of your unfailing love. Why does God let innocent Christians suffer? Why does he let them be persecuted? You know the sort of thing. The persecuted church around the world. Christians being arrested in China. Churches being attacked in Nigeria. Believers put in work camps in North Korea. You know, a friend in Cuba... Uh, just this week emailed me to say that the government are trying to close down their church. 
And it happens here too. Maybe you're experiencing it. Maybe you're being bullied by people from school or for being a Christian. You know, but that one time you spoke up and said what you believe, now they just won't let it go constantly at you all the time, online, just for being a Christian. Maybe you're getting trouble at work. As a Christian, you didn't just go along with some of the new policies. You weren't going to deny what the Bible says. So now you're being investigated by HR and your colleagues are mocking you. And you're thinking, why is this happening to me? Why does God let innocent Christians suffer? Why does he let them be persecuted? And what do we do when it's us? Well, I think this psalm helps. It's a psalm for innocent suffering Christians. It's a remarkable psalm. It's another lament. They're pouring out exactly what they feel to God. But I think it plays a little trick on us as well. So let's have a look and see if you agree. It starts really positively. Verse 1. We have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us what you did in their days, in days long ago. So they're remembering the past. They're remembering God's work. And they're thinking of the great victories brought about by God. Probably uh, the escape from Egypt and the conquest of the land. And as they're thinking about these things, they've got their understanding right as they do so. They know that it was all by God's power. Verse 3, it was not by their sword that they won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was your right hand, your arm. So they're not boasting, but remembering the past and saying that was God, that was all God. And they carry on remembering God's work, but here it comes close to home, not the ancestors, but us. Verse 5, through you, we push back our enemies. Through your name, we trample our foes. So they've also won some victories, and they're still giving God all the credit. Verse 6, I do not trust in my bow. My sword does not bring me victory, but you give us victory over our enemies. So... So far, so good. We're remembering God's work in the distant past. We're seeing that he's doing the same closer to home. And this could be one of those great psalms of celebration, couldn't it? But then things take a turn. Verse 9. But now you have rejected and humbled us. You no longer go out with our armies. God's not behaving like he was. He's now giving them defeats, not victory, shame, not triumph, suffering, not glory. And so they just let it all out to God. Verse 11, you gave us up to be devoured like sheep and have scattered us among the nations. Verse 13, you've made us a reproach to our neighbours, the scorn and derision of those around us. For the nation, this was a time of military defeat. But for us, it could be any time when others are just at us. We're being persecuted and God is letting it happen. And that remembering in verses 1 to 8 takes a different feel, doesn't it? They're actually looking back sad, wishing things were still like that, puzzled as to why things have changed. So friends, let's be clear on this. Sometimes we'll go through tough times, bad times. We'll remember the good and wish it was still like that. Wasn't it better when work life was simple, not getting trouble for what you believe? Wasn't it better when the bullies at school weren't targeting you? 
And think of those Christians overseas. Oh, for relief for them. These times will happen to us. And when they do, we don't need to pretend like it's not bad. We need not be like people trying to be positive about a clearly bad situation. You know, like the football manager insisting that the team is putting on good performances when they've lost 10 in a row. Like those who are sick and keep declaring they're fit as a fiddle, never take a day off work. Like those who refuse to see a problem in society or in their family. Everything's fine. No. No Christian needs to deny their suffering. No Christian needs to pretend what they're experiencing isn't real. If you're suffering, you can present it honestly to God and to others. Now there's an issue here in this psalm. You see, in biblical terms, this suffering looks bad, really bad. This looks like typical judgment stuff. This is the sort of thing God said would happen if they sinned. And the sort of thing that did happen when they were unfaithful to God. If you read Deuteronomy for the warnings, read 2 Kings for the outworkings, it's described like this, things like being scattered among the nations. So we hear this in this psalm and we should be thinking, oh dear, what have they done? What have they done to cause this judgment? But it seems to be nothing. Look at verse 17. This is, this is crucial. Here in four different ways they say, we haven't been unfaithful. All this happened to us though we had not forgotten you. Or been false to your covenant. Our hearts had not turned back. Our feet had not strayed from your path. You see, if they had broken faith with God, they could expect this. If they'd abandoned him and started worshipping other gods, this would make sense, but they haven't. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that they're perfect and, and with no sin whatsoever. Only Jesus could say that. But this is about being faithful to God, sticking with him. It's like in a marriage. Uh, no one is perfect. We don't always do exactly what pleases our wife or husband, but we're not leaving we're staying and we're, we're saying sorry and sticking together. And with God, we can admit we've not been perfect, but we can also honestly say if we haven't strayed, if we're sticking with him, staying faithful as a Christian. And so, they don't know why they're suffering. They've done nothing to deserve this. And we might not know why we're suffering. We're innocent. And it's tough to go through. But this doesn't mean we give up on God. Verse 23. Awake, O Lord. Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Verse 26. Rise up and help us. Redeem us because of your unfailing love. They call out to God to do something. To bring about the victory as before. They're not saying, well, you've let us down, God. We're off. No, now they say, God, we really need you to come through for us. This is a tough situation, a strange situation. We're suffering and we don't know why, but we trust that you alone can do something. God, as in the past, so now also, you've got to save us. So you can see, 
that it's a psalm about innocent suffering. They remember the good things God has done. They gave him all the praise and credit. But now things have changed. They're suffering and they honestly can't see why. So all they can do is cry out to God. And maybe for some, this is the psalm we need today. Christians are not excused from suffering, particularly innocent suffering. Now, you might be watching this service today and you're not a Christian and you might be thinking, well, what's the point? Why on earth would I become a Christian if it won't actually make my life better? In fact, it sounds like it might make my life worse. And if that's what you're thinking, you've got a pretty good point. But I'd say two things in response. First, you need to know about this sort of thing before you become a Christian. I was talking to someone the other day who was saying that she's met a number of people who became Christians but weren't told that sometimes being a Christian would be really hard. And so when it became hard, a number of them gave up. Or they had to go right back to the start and decide if they still wanted to follow Jesus or not. So you've got to know this. Is this what you're willing to sign up for? But secondly, those of us who are Christians would say, we don't think this has made our lives worse. Though there is suffering and opposition, we think that becoming a Christian is actually much better. Because now... We're friends again with God. Our life is hard but fulfilled. Jesus gives us meaning and purpose and hope and the future and help when things are hard. We think becoming a Christian will change your life completely but definitely for the better. But the point remains, innocent suffering is real for Christians. You could say it's in the DNA of Christians. I wonder what's in your family DNA. In my family, all the men are bald. I'm on my way. There's no avoiding it. Well, in the Christian family, innocent suffering is in your DNA. There's no avoiding it. Think of King David. He always trusted in God. He constantly had people out to get him. And the first Christians, uh, Stephen was killed, James was killed, Paul was widely opposed. And the persecutions of Christians today around the world, it continues. You know, they're trying to close my friend's church. It's just one example. And all the stories that we have as well, bullying at school, mocking at work, it's in our DNA. And the reason is that we follow the pattern of Jesus. We get our DNA from him. He was totally faithful to God. In fact, perfect in every way, not a drop of sin. Yet he was taken to the cross, the innocent son of God, condemned and flogged and crucified. Like verse 11, he was given up to be devoured like sheep. Like verse 13, he was made a reproach to our neighbours, the scorn and derision of those around him. Like verse 16, he was reviled. Innocent suffering was real for Jesus and it's real for all who follow him. It's in our DNA. But it's interesting, what else is in our DNA? See, I'm not just getting baldness from my family. There's other things too, temperament and interests. 
Well, Jesus didn't just die, he rose again. And we don't just inherit his suffering, but also his victory, conquering victory. I wonder if you recognized verse 22. Yet for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. If you've been with us for the last few weeks, you might recognize that. It was quoted in Romans 8, which we were doing just before the Psalms. It's a section about the Christian experience. It lists all sorts of suffering, trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. And then this verse is quoted, making the point that innocent suffering has always been expected. But then it says that it's not hopeless. I wonder if you remember the sermon. It was so encouraging. None of this is hopeless. Rather, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. With Jesus, we'll have a super victory. And that is in our DNA. So maybe in the short term, some good will come from your suffering. Or maybe in the long term, when all the suffering is defeated and we're brought to heaven, we know that our story will include suffering. But also we know our story doesn't end in suffering. So as we close, let's ask again the why question. Why do we suffer? Why does God let this happen? And on one level, we can give some answers that they didn't know back then. We can say God is at work. He's doing good. He's making us more like Christ. But on another level, we also have to say, I don't really know. But it's in God's hands. What's going on with your specific suffering? Why are you receiving that opposition right now? Why won't the bullies stop? What good is God possibly doing through this? We just have to say, I don't really know. But it's in God's hands. And what do we do when it's happening to us? We can pray like this. You can say exactly what you're feeling to God. As long as you're not turning away from him, not giving up on him, then he's happy to hear whatever you say. You can say, I'm finding this really hard, God. I wish it wasn't like this, God. I don't know why this is happening, but please help me, God. Maybe you're crying out to God in your anguish right now. That's fine. He's listening. And please know that he will be your help. He will rescue you because of his unfailing love. Our story doesn't end in suffering. Father, thank you so much for this psalm. Thank you that it's okay to express how we're feeling. We know that we follow Jesus and we experience suffering with him. Please help us. Please rise up and rescue us. Please bring us to that final day when it will all be over and we'll be with you in perfect joy in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.